This is the Grind, Sell, and Elevate podcast by Tizer Evans, where we do a deep dive on how to stay driven, how to be a top-tier salesperson, and how to elevate the quality of your life. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me on Grind, Sell, and Elevate today. My name is Tizer Evans. Today, I'm going to talk to Thomas Jelmy, who is an interpersonal development coach. He's also a speaker and an author. We get into how he, how the best way to communicate with people, what he works on his executive coaching clients with, how he helps to elevate their game. A really fascinating conversation. I enjoyed my time with Thomas. If you guys haven't done so, please subscribe to the podcast. I would really appreciate it. Drop me a five-star review. Leave me a comment. Let me know that you're listening. It makes it easier for other people to be able to find the podcast. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Thomas. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining me on Grind, Sell, and Elevate. This is Tizer Evans. I'm here with Thomas Jelmy, who is an interpersonal development coach, also an author and a speaker. Uh, Thomas, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah. So you are joining us out of Switzerland, which we were just talking about off camera. It's a beautiful place. I've yet to have been there. My wife's been there, and she was one of her favorite countries in Europe. It is. It's a beautiful place to live. It's like a little well-kept garden, very organized, sometimes a bit over-organized. And when you come over, bring your credit card. It's pretty expensive. Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, I'll, <laughs> I'll bring my black Amex. Yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, perfect. Well, Thomas, if you could introduce yourself to people, let them know what you've been doing, what you're doing now, and kind of a bit of who you are. Okay, yeah, I'd love to. Um, I've been in the domain of learning and development for uh, almost 20 years now. So I mostly work with leaders in organizations across the globe, across cultures. Um, and I support them in developing their personal and their interpersonal skills, both of which go hand in hand for me. So whenever you know you want to achieve something with other people, like in leadership, in teamwork, and customer relations. Uh, the interpersonal aspect, of course, is key. But the prerequisite, the basis for that is the personal competence, how well you're in a relationship and in balance with yourself. Mm. Um, before that, I um, used to work for Swissair. That was the former Swiss national airline. That was in my late 20s when I started off as a flight attendant and then became a what they called maître de cabine. It's a purser, in-flight manager. And so I was leading cabin crew on international flights for yeah, more than seven years. And before that, I used to work for a circus for almost two years. Oh, nice. And I earned my first money cutting people's hair and listening to their stories. So that's where it all began, uh, listening to people. Yeah, so what developed this interest of wanting to make this shift into uh, interpersonal development and personal development? Actually, it wasn't really a conscious decision. I wasn't, uh, I didn't reach a point where I said, ah, this is what I'm going to do now. I just went with the flow of life, you know, basically. And I, I was like washed ashore of this uh, interpersonal and coaching uh, development business, right? Uh, the key event was certainly the grounding of Swissair. So in um, 2001, about two months, no, 
one one month, a bit more than one month after 9-11, mm-hmm. the whole fleet grounded and people were laid off. And I had to, yeah, find, uh, open a new chapter in my biography, reinvent myself. And I joined, uh, joined a small consulting company that was specializing in leadership development in sales. So very focused leadership development um, services. And I, I, I used to work there for eight years after which then I started my own business. So it was like a, it was a chain of events that eventually led to me doing what I do today. Um, some events that in the moment were not very pleasant, like losing your job is not a very pleasant thing. No. But in retrospect, you know, connecting the dots, they were like, you know, lucky punches and really situations that got me where I am today. Yeah, it's interesting how life does that. At the time, it seems like the biggest loss you've ever faced. And then you look back yeah. in 10 or 15 years, you're like, oh, that was actually the biggest blessing. Yeah. And, and understanding this fundamentally, that you can only uh, connect the dots in retrospect, but you have to live life forward into, into the uncertainty, into dense fog, like walking in dense fog. You can only always do the next step or make the next step and then see where you are and take it from there, trusting that in two years, in three years, in five years, you will again be able to connect the dots in retrospect, that things are going to turn out well. I think that's right. No, it is very important. It's very hard to do for a lot of people, right? Yeah. Because you have, you know, and so you don't know this, but I just made a huge shift. Um, I, I had been with this company four years. I had done really well um, sales-wise, and I got a position at the new company. You know, so it's like kind of feel like you're starting over a little bit. They got to put a lot of trust and faith in my ability and to go out and execute, but I've noticed a lot of people were like, hey, like you're doing so well here. Why would you make a move? <clears throat> you know, aren't you scared? What if it doesn't work out? And so those th- thoughts for me, I think having done my own work, they don't always occur to me. I always just assume that I'll have success. Sure, it'll be hard. There'll be hurdles I have to overcome, but I'll keep pushing forward. How do you help people kind of coach them to get through that, that fear of the unknown, because we're always projecting into the future, right? That's what yeah, people exactly. are always, they're here in the past, living their old story, or they're projecting into the future uh, of what's not going to go right for them. Mm-hmm. Well, um, at the heart of this is something that is called negative bias. It's one of many, many biases we have as human beings uh, in our thinking, in our perception. And negative bias um, can be described in a very nice little uh, proverb that says, one falling tree makes more noise than a whole growing forest. That's negative bias, which means that anything we consider negative and therefore potentially threatening uh, is almost like a magnet for our attention. It's automatically drawn there. And then it also seems bigger. In addition to that, it seems more important, has a bigger weight uh, as opposed to anything that's going well. And this is is not wrong. It's very human. And it has to do with survival, right? Ooh, it's dangerous. So I have to be more careful um, in in watching uh, or looking out for potential dangers. 
than uh, the things that are going well. But it doesn't always serve us well, especially, for example, when um, projecting into the future and walking into the unknown, we often tend to think more and worry about what can go wrong. What if it doesn't go well? What if I fail? But the question, what if it goes well, is just as a realistic and relevant question. It's just, no, it, the falling tree, what if it goes south, is stronger than uh, the growing forest. And this also, unfortunately, works in regards to our own history, our self-perception. So we are often not so aware of our achievements, mm. what we really have achieved already in our lives and what we're able to accomplish. And to answer your question, I help my clients, if this is a topic they want to grow in, to reconnect with their achievements, reconnect with their resources, reconnect and become more aware of who they really are in their essence and to bring out the light and let their light shine, you know. So that is one important part of my work. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that being a really valuable part uh, because it is true that a lot of times people look back and you know, well, you know, you've gotten this far, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, everything's been okay, you know, and I think it's important. You, you've got, they got there. Yeah. Right. And so do you go back and have people also kind of like it? I think it's wonderful to recount and reconnect with your achievements, but do you ever go back and have them look at situations maybe that were very similar and go, Hey, it didn't go worst case scenario. Exactly. Exactly. So let's say my client has a, big challenge, big issue. They don't know whether they are going to be able to handle this, to deal with it. So one question would really be, or one, one exercise would really be to think of similar situations, comparable situations that worked out well, that may have been difficult, it may have been challenging, but that worked out well in the end. And then we, we explore that, like, what did you do? How did you do it? How did you feel? What were your beliefs? What did you think about yourself and the situation? And how can you now transfer some of that and clone some of that into today's situation and use this experience as a, as a resource? And one thing you just mentioned, uh, I really liked, and I often mention that as well. Look at where you are today you made it you right. made it up until here that's why i also often refer to uh, age as levels so for example i'm reaching level 53 this summer means i passed all previous levels right and it's very likely that i'm going to also complete the next level and the next and the next just by taking it one step at a time. Yeah, I love that. That's great to look at it as far as uh, levels. Now, as we start to, you know, hit different levels, though, do you see that because people are not reconnecting with their achievements and their past that although they get older, 
their levels of accomplishment or satisfaction um, or joy stay stagnant. And that can cause and turn a lot of problems with their career or relationships. It can, it can. It all really depends on, on your mindset, mm. how you see yourself, how you see life in general, and, and, and how you label everything, right? The meaning to give to things. And um, some people are very judgmental. They walk through life and through their days in a very judgmental way, labeling everything. I like it. I don't like it. It's good. It's bad. I'm disappointed, whatever. They put labels on things, which is what the mind automatically does. Right? It's normal. Now, the good news is you can relabel. You can reframe something or put something in a different frame of meaning. Or you can even, that's advanced level, you can even let go of this judgmental mm. approach. Uh, um, you know, completely and replace judgment by curiosity. Oh, let's see how this works out. Oh, yes. let's see why. Let's see why he's, he's got such a grumpy look on his face. Let's see why. Before you judge someone, you never know, right? Why somebody might be a bit grumpy or whatever the situation presents itself. Yeah. Yeah, which I can appreciate a lot. And I think that um, I'm sure the majority of the world was paying close attention to our uh, election this past year. And, you know, I felt like if people had been more genuinely curious about why someone wanted to vote for Trump or someone wanted to vote for Biden or they wanted to vote for a third party, there would have been a lot less tension because we would have been coming from a place of curiosity and authenticity and more acceptance versus like, oh, you're, you, you're voting for him, you must be a racist. Well, you're voting for him, well, you must be this, right? Like it, and it got ugly because we weren't coming from that place. Yes, yes, yes. And that's really uh, when things uh, start getting really bad when when we're judging each other based on our opinions and especially when we when we end up in uh in in discussing who's right and who's wrong right, right. so that's really when you you can you can watch that and observe that also in smaller uh, dimensions like when you're with your family on a Sunday for lunch right and you invite the parents and everyone and or or, or Thanksgiving or Christmas it usually starts getting a bit of tension. The tension starts rising the moment somebody insists on being right on something. And right. then somebody else insists on them being right. And then you can just lean back and enjoy the show. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but what helps, for example, in this case, uh, is also mindset. Mindset that says, all right, everybody is right. Mm. always from their perception yeah uh, from their perspective perspective from their standpoint everybody is right and if i were in their shoes i would probably be just as right saying the same thing and this is just a little thing that if you grant somebody the right to be right from their perspective that's already you know it already softens up the tension to some extent 
No, 100%. One of the questions I wanted to ask you, having worked with leaders um, across organizations, you know, I just want to get your opinion or a definition. There may be multiple, maybe there isn't one, but what do you think that are some of the attributes or characteristics that make a great leader? Oh, uh, they may sound a bit counterintuitive, but they really are uh, humility, Courage, authenticity, meaning being genuine, showing yourself for who you are instead of putting up a, a mask, like a macho mask, for example, and vulnerability. Yeah, if I don't put up a protective mask and, and armor, I'm vulnerable which creates connection and relationship and closeness and based on that trust and that these are qualities that leaders today and in the future absolutely need because it's really you know i tend to say it doesn't matter whether you're in the b2b or in the b2c business it's always h to h it's human to human so we're dealing with human beings, be human, right? Be human, right. don't try to, to uh, uh, be a robot, right? Yeah, and, and kind of staying on that topic, I wanna to get your opinion on this. Um, and I, I, I like all of those because I feel like that that's, it's helped me a lot, uh, especially with being authentic and being vulnerable about with your own story and what you've gone through. As a leader, it helps people to connect, right? Um, oh, yeah. But how come so many companies then want to compartmentalize as far as the messages they send to people? And I've experienced this, you know, having been in, in mid to upper level management for a long time, really the last 15 years of my life, where it's like, you know, my boss will come to me and he'll give me 50% of what's the situation. And then he'll tell me, but you can only share a little bit of this with your team. And he only got 50% from his boss. You got 50% from his boss and it's all fragmented and very compartmentalized. And I feel like there's a lot of secrecy. There's not a lot of openness and transparency. Mm-hmm. So I want to get your perspective on, on why mm-hmm. companies think that's an effective route. There's like two sides to what you just described. It can be on the one hand side, um, misuse of power. Right. So holding back information uh, can give you a lot of power, Mm. not giving the information that somebody might need, holding it back. And that's a misuse of of power, uh, of course. On the other hand, one leading leadership task is to also protect your team to some extent by filtering some of the information and not letting everything you get also in terms of pressure, maybe from top Mm -hmm. down to them immediately unfiltered, right? So there's a positive side to it and there's a, there's a more critical side to it. It all depends on, on the current, on the concrete situation, right? Yeah, that that actually makes a lot of sense. I like how you explained that. Um, Can you talk to us a little about, but your perspective on what interpersonal competence is? Well, interpersonal competence, I, <laughs> I write it a bit strangely with the capital P in the middle, 
interpersonal, one word, but with a capital P. Because of what I explained in the very beginning briefly, personal and interpersonal go hand in hand, right? How can you be an inspiring, visionary leader that cares for his people or her people, that truly connects with them, builds re relationships, maintains relationships, if you're not in a, in a balanced position yourself, in a, in a balanced state, in tune with, your, with who you are, um, doesn't work, right? If you are, as a leader, if you are stressed out, if you don't recharge your batteries, for example, if you're like running in the red zone all the time, how can you be a role model, right? So it, it really all begins with self-leadership. Good leadership is more than anything. Self-leadership, good self-leadership. And the more and more I work in this field, I, I come to see that and I come to understand that leadership development is personality development. Mm. You know, that it goes beyond learning methods and techniques and learning how to apply them and how you should say this or say that it goes way beyond methods and techniques it all has to do with attitude and your own inner belief system and mindset and how you navigate right so um, I, I like that finding a, a, a balanced state so when you're working with people within the constructs of maybe an organization or or you know uh, doing your interpersonal development coaching. Um, and, and is this what your book, uh, Breakthrough, is this what this is based around? Yeah, this is what the book is all about. It, it even is structured uh, along these uh, two big areas. Like it starts with the self, and then from there it, it, it expands to the collective, yeah, from the me to the we. But what I use in this book with the title Breakthrough is the work of cabin crew in a plane as a metaphor, as an analogy. It, it's not a book about cabin crew, right? But it's, right. it's yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm using the examples and everything as a metaphor, because if you just imagine for a moment, you have a plane um, flying on 3,500 feet flight level or 35,000 feet, you have like a little company up there, a little organization up there. Mm -hmm. And in this narrow space of an aircraft cabin, you have everything that's happening in, a, in, in, in any other organization. You have teamwork happening, you have leadership happening, and you have direct customer interaction happening, all at the same time, in the same narrow place. And for cabin crew, it's actually quite uh, demanding to have uh, to anticipate any problems that may arise. And if they arise, to solve them immediately on the spot without the ability to uh, call for external help. You cannot call the police. And while maintaining the relationship, you cannot escalate, right? So it's very demanding, actually, uh, when it comes to personal and interpersonal skills that's oh, yeah. why it's such a great metaphor yeah absolutely 
So, so when you, when you start working with somebody and they want to start working on it, cause I, I believe and you tell me if you disagree, but you got to start with the me before you can get to the we, cause if the, you know, the me is not straight, the we is going to be real fucked up. So, um, nicely put. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. On this show, we, we, you know, we say whatever. Um, so where do you start to work with somebody who's never really done interpersonal work or had to look at themselves is there a process they go through? You have them start to work on exercises or is it meditation? Is it actually, you know, actual exercise? You know, what's, what does that transformation start to look like? It can't be anything. And it all depends. It all depends from, uh, of, of where somebody's starting point is, where do they come from? Right? So we often begin or kick off the coaching process with some we issues, some interpersonal uh, issues or goals, like improving communication or improving uh, conflict management skills, et cetera, et cetera, or anything leadership related that has to do with leading others. And then we often quickly, within the first few sessions, uh, are talking about personal things. Right. Right, so because they emerge naturally, because they emerge, and because um, often my clients bring them up, right, and then we we very naturally talk about these things first, and then depending on the level of, let's call it problem awareness, a leader has, I sometimes also start the process with a three hundred and sixty degree feedback which means that the most important stakeholders who this leader works with, his or her own boss, peers on the same level, direct reports, sometimes even customers or suppliers are asked for their feedback. What do you particularly appreciate and like in this leader? Where do you see his or her strength? And where do you see the biggest need for change, growth, or development? And then based on this, we say, okay, what, what do we focus on over the next period of six to 12 months in the coaching process? Yeah, that's beautiful. I like that. I think that the best way to learn anything is to get constant feedback. Yeah, the first level, the first step into any change, growth, or development is awareness. Mm-hmm. You can only change, uh, change and control what you're aware of. What you're not aware of often controls you, right? Influences right. Yeah. you without unknowingly. Right? Yeah, no, it's a beautiful point. Um, thank you, Thomas. A couple, a couple more questions for you. Um, I'm just curious. Do you have any of your own? What you know could be interpersonal development habits or success habits that you find that help to keep you on the straight and narrow and keep you to perform oh, yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and generally speaking, I don't do anything with my clients or, or explain to them or teach them that I have not done or I'm not doing myself. So it's all very experiential what I'm doing. Uh, given my, my non-academic background, for example, it's all experiential. So I what, what I talk about is what I have experienced to be successful and, and to be working, right? So um, 
the short answer to your question is self-care. Self-care. Caring for yourself well before you care for others. You know, when if you've been on a plane before, the uh, safety instructions before takeoff, right. when they talk about the oxygen masks, they tell you, before you help anyone else, put on your own mask because you may end up unconscious before you can help others. So ensure you are safe first and then be there for others. And this is a, a great analogy for life, right? You cannot, you cannot pour from an empty cup. You cannot be there for others if your batteries are depleted. So I have um, a habit of, and, and, and also a practice of self-care. So for example, in the morning when I get up, I make myself a nice coffee, drink my coffee, look out the window, and then I sit for 15 or 20 minutes. I meditate. Mm -hmm. I just go into stillness. And then from that quality, I go into my days. And especially since the pandemic forced us into stillness almost and into home office setting where 90% of my work has become virtual as well. I allow myself to take naps, you know, every now and then during a day. And I encourage my clients to do the same now that they can, now that they are in a home office setting as well. Just, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Who doesn't find 15 minutes for a short nap and then be energized for the rest of the day or for a short walk, go out in nature. Yeah. So tend to your own needs and create and maintain balance. It's, it's absolutely fundamental because everything else is affected by it. Your every interaction, your relationships being professional or private, everything is affected by your inner weather conditions, what I call them. Yeah, I love that. And I'm going to have my wife listen to this because she bangs on me all the time whenever I want to take a nap. Because I'm, I'm, if you can just give me like around 1.30, you can give me 10 minutes, yeah. I, I will be unstoppable the rest of the afternoon. Yes, of course. Just make sure you don't go over 15 to 20 minutes max so that you remain in this light slumber and you don't end up in, in the deep sleeping pattern because when, when, the, when the alarm hits you there, then uh, this backfires and you're useless for the rest of the, of the day. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I appreciate that. I think, that's, I think that's great feedback to have self-care first and especially starting your day right. You know, the first few minutes yeah. of your day will really set the tone with based on how your emotion is so yes. coming from a place of gratitude stillness positivity yes. will project into the rest of the day that's just my opinion but yeah and this is nothing new and we're not reinventing the wheel here at all you know the old greeks knew that the old romans knew that there's a great quote by voltaire who is who was a, a french philosopher he said the most important decision you can make on any day is to be in a good mood <laughs> it's a decision <laughs> yes i love that 100 percent um thomas um do you have any so we have your book breakthrough where can that be purchased at 
online, Amazon.com and, and any other online uh, book services uh, will have it. Okay, perfect. I'll, li I'll list that in the, in the show notes so people can scroll right down, hit the link and buy uh, your book. And then if people want to work with you or connect with you to find out more about your work, where would be the best place to do so? Well, the best entry point or access point, of course, is my website. It's thomasjelmy, one word, dot com. Um, drop me a line through the contact form there or connect with me on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook. I'm present in all on all channels. Good. I will also post all of those links uh, below so you can connect with uh, Thomas's website and then him on social if you want to follow his work. He's got a good presence um, on LinkedIn that I've seen. I have not checked out uh, Instagram or Facebook, but I'll give you a follow. Um, yeah, LinkedIn is the most uh, the most active one. Okay, good. Um, it's a great it's a great place to, to network. I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn. But Thomas, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I love your energy. I love what you're doing. Uh, you have a great disposition about you. Um, yeah, I just really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. You too. Thank you.